right, it looks like we are now live on Facebook. Glad to see you here. And uh, this is going to be session 11 of the John Maxwell book, Leadership, a mastermind that we are uh, hosting here as part of our Manana No Mas outreach kind of thing through this COVID crisis. Uh, when the crisis started, I can remember thinking to myself, how, what skill set do I have and how can I add value to people um, and, and just feel like I'm doing something, you know, of value with myself. And so this was it. I thought I'm more than halfway through the book. Uh, I love the book. I think it's got a great message about a leadership gap in our culture right now. And what a great time to share uh, what I think is a fantastic work from John Maxwell. So uh, we've already covered the first 10 chapters of this book. So if you are coming into this late, let, let's say you're just signing in today for the first time. Well, uh, I want to reassure you that uh, the content that we have covered so far has all been recorded, and I organized it and put it into a free course that is in manananomas.com. When you go to manananomas.com, there's a link at the top uh, for the academy. In the academy, you'll see a list of courses. Uh, a few of them are free, and one of them that is free is this uh, leadership thing. Um, it was important to me, and I don't know why it was so important, but it was. Uh, I didn't want to make a dime off of this. So like when I put the link in the original invites for where to get the book, whether that be through Amazon or eBay sources or things like that, um, I didn't set up like an affiliate link or anything like that. I just wanted to make sure that you got the resources that you needed and that you could follow along and that you would find value in the content that was given. Uh, the first session we covered, it covered like, why are we covering this topic, right? And then we talked about going from somebody that you know, is an expert to somebody that runs a team of experts. So like, how do you convert your, your work style to uh, you know, not just cover yourself, but to cover a team? And then we talked uh, a little bit about goals to growth, right? You could have a goal to accomplish something, or you can make a commitment to grow uh, so that you can attain you know, multiple goals as, as you continue to progress. We talked about helping others uh, by climbing the ladder first yourself and then uh, helping other people climb the ladder. And then if you do it right, you know, the, the metaphor is if you do it right, you'll, you'll be able to give other people their own ladder that they can climb and then hold the ladder for others, right? So basically, um, how, do you, how do you filter down your, your leadership influence and your leadership authority? How do, you, how do you filter that down to others and then encourage them to share that with others, right? That's kind of that theory of multiplicity, right? Uh, if, you, if you're a manager and you manage a small team, you might think in terms of addition, like I'm gonna add a team member, right? But if you were to take somebody from that team, train them up as a leader equal to or better than yourself and then turn them loose to run a team, well, then that becomes the theory of multiplication, right? Because now your work is positively affecting two groups instead of one group, and then so on and so forth, right? Hopefully everybody develop, develops leaders and, and you have a, a mass uprising culture of leadership. Um, later in the book, we, we talked about, oh, let's see, we talked about maintaining to creating. We, that was a good, that was a great chapter. That was some people manage to maintain status quo. They want to maintain certain production levels. They want to um, you know, meet quota, if, if that's a term that resonates with something that you do. Um, so instead of talking about maintaining or meeting expectations, what if you were to create something and exceed expectations, right? How do you go above and beyond? How do you turn yourself loose and free yourself to, to be successful? Uh, directing to connecting was a chapter that we had covered. Uh, and then team uniform, uniformity to team diversity. We covered that uh, pretty recently. And then this last one that we covered was going from positional authority to moral authority. And moral authority, of course, being the, the pinnacle of, of your influence. And so positional authority is like people listen to you because they have to. And then, you know, moral authority is, you know, you make decisions on the behalf of others for the best interest of them, for the best interest of the organization. Um, you know, you have a servant leadership mindset. People see your authenticity. They, they know that you're competent. And you earn what we call moral authority, right? The, the pinnacle of leadership, the pinnacle of influence. And today we're gonna jump into chapter 11. And I really kind of hit the ground running on this today, folks. I, I kind of really jumped out of the gates and just started talking. Uh, I didn't do too much, uh, too much warm up today, but I've had a, I've had a pretty exciting day. Um, I got up early, I got up early for a meeting 
uh, the meeting was postponed till tomorrow. And instead of going, oh, you know, woe is me, right? No, I, I started doing Facebook Lives. I started interacting in some of the groups, uh, checking messages, uh, looking at a book that I've been reading, uh, doing stuff around the house with the kids. And it was just one of those days where like everything just started to fit together, right? And I was looking really forward to covering this with you guys today at three o'clock. So um, super, super stoked. It's just been an awesome day. So let's, let's hit this running. And, and let's go right into it. Chapter 11 is entitled, Trained Leaders to Transformational Leaders. Trained Leaders to Transformational Leaders. Now, this is making the assumption that somebody is in position and they've been there a bit and they know what to do. They, they've reached a level of competence, right? That would be a trained leader, right? Someone that knows how to lead a group of people. Like, like So we're gonna say that that's okay. That's okay, right? But your goal is to be a transformational leader, right? And so, so one of the first things we want to ask is, what is a transformational leader? How would you describe a transformational leader? If you're on uh, Facebook Live and you want to jump on to the Zoom and participate live, you certainly can. Uh, the invitation is there inside the Manana Nomas Facebook page. Uh, just go in there and then a lead is the password. So you could type in lead is the password, jump on into the Zoom call. And then of course, if you're following along on the, on the live on Facebook, I, I'll check that periodically on this other screen here and I'll just see you know, if there's any comments or questions that pop up as we, as we move through the content. Sound fair? But um, if I were to ask you what's a transformational leader, I don't know how you would think of that if you hadn't heard the term before or if you haven't taken steps to uh, say, oh, I'm going to be a transformational leader, right? Well, how would you, how would you leverage a definition of that for yourselves? Uh, it says here in the book that the first thing it says is, if your actions inspire people to dream more, learn more, do more, or become more, then you are a transformational leader. So that's where I got to give myself a little bit of slack, right? Um, I look at the work that I've done, especially corporately, right? In, in big offices. And, and I think of myself as being this guy that kind of has influence in a room, right? I, I kind of think I bring a little bit of energy to, to a group of people. And, and I think to myself, okay, well, man, I really want to get to the next level. I want to be a transformational leader. I want to be an awesome leader. And then you start thinking like that, right? And then you're like, well, what does that mean? Like, am I back to a perks to price model like we talked about weeks ago, right? Am I, am I saying that I want to be a transformational leader? because I want the cool parking spot out front? Or do I want to be a transformational leader because I know the influence that has over other people and you know, I want to see people be the, their best selves, right? And if that's the motivation, if that's what I'm sensing, and then I can start to objectively look around the group or look around my circle of influence and go, okay, am I getting that? Am I making that? Am I seeing that happen? And I can tell you, you know, I haven't had 100% success. I haven't batted 1,000, right? But I can tell you I've had some pretty good outings where I've said, okay, you know, I'm batting 600 here. I'm batting 750 here. I mean, if I'm coming back with numbers like that from a group where I see people that are actively dreaming more, learning more, doing more, and becoming more, well, then that, that tells me that I'm, I'm on the right path and I'm getting there, right? I don't know if you could ever bat 1,000. You know, maybe there's some other leadership coaches out there that want to jump on and go, oh, no, I can train anybody, anything, anytime, anywhere, you know, give them to me, they're mine. But I'm going to be a little more honest. I mean, I, I if I'm looking at an organization of people, remember the whole 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. Remember, we talked earlier about, you know, 10-80-10, you know, as far as getting projects done. There are certain elements or certain things that might not resonate with, with the entire group, right? So I'm going to say, I don't know that I could ever bat a thousand, right? In fact, I, I jokingly say to a lot of people in the power sports industry, um, I work in power sports. And so, you know, motorcycles, ATVs and all that kind of stuff. And when I'm talking to someone that's in another organization, another big organization, especially if they're notable, you know, I know that it's a small industry and I know that a lot of us know the same people. And so I'm right up front about it. I call out the elephant in the room, right? If they're friends with somebody that I know doesn't like me, I tell them, I go, hey, you know what? I know thousands of people in the industry and there's only like two that I know of that really don't like me. So, you know, if there's only two that don't like me out of all these other people, I think I'm doing okay. You know, and it's, we have to be realistic with ourselves. I don't think we're ever going to bat a thousand. So 
we need to kind of, you know, pull ourselves in sometimes and give ourselves a little bit of slack, right? Read the book, take the book to heart. But remember, he's talking about tendencies and trends, not necessarily, you know, blanket orders, okay? So it says, and he opens up with this. He says, of all the chapters in the book, this one is the most important. Why? Uh, because if you, take, if you make only one leader shift in your life, this is the one I would wish for you to choose. The impact shift from trained leader to transformational leader will bring the greatest change in your life and the lives around you. Okay? He goes in to talk a little bit more about making the positive change in people's lives. He even tells a story here on page 216. And I'll put that up in front of the camera so you can see what I kind of highlighted there. I put John's words are best. And I just basically highlighted the whole page. He goes through here and, and he's really transparent as an author. He says, um, you know, he said that he was slow to transition. He says, my leader shift uh, from trained leader to transformational leader occurred early, but this story is very personal to me. It had dr a dramatic effect on my life. At the heart of this shift was my faith, which is at the foundation of who I am. However, I value you whether or not you're a person of faith. No matter what your perspective is about faith, I don't want you to miss this. So I'll condense my story down to its essence. He says, at the beginning of my career, I cared mostly about myself and building my organization. Sadly, people were not my top priority. Keep in mind, you know, I'm quoting John. John wrote the book, right? And I look at him as being the, the quintessential uh, leader instructor in our country, right? Globally. And he's writing this, I think, very vulnerably, very transparently, right? He says, and I regret to say that my selfishness sometimes kept me from doing the right thing. There was one particular incident that made me realize that my priorities were wrong. I failed to help a man because I was focused on myself. And that man died. My selfish decision meant that he would never get the help I should have given him, and there was nothing I could do to fix that. I can't express the devastating impact this had on me. I felt terrible, and it caused me to spend several months reevaluating re myself as a leader. For the first time in my life, I started to ask myself the hard questions about my motives and methods that every leader ought to ask, and I was not satisfied with my answers. And then he goes on in the next paragraph to say that over the next few months, he had uh, spent a lot of time in prayer and reflection, and that he had basically allowed his heart to change where he cared more about people he was leading than he cared about himself or the benefits he would get from being the leader, okay? And when that change happened, he calls that the leader shift. That was the leader shift for him. He began to think more about the people he was leading than the benefits he would get to be the leader. And that takes us to the next page on 217. It says, Essentials for Transformational Leadership. Uh, he said that he had taken a look. He said, I'm a firm believer in, uh, in training and leadership. I've done it myself for 50 years and helped others for more than 40 years. But I also recognize there's a huge difference between trained leaders and leaders who are transformational. This to me is huge. And, and there's a couple of quotes that come up in the following pages. And I can't help. And, and if you're like me in this regard, I can't help but like think of or, or, or recall corporate positions in my past where I've worked for people and I go, oh yeah, we could have made a huge difference as an organization, as a group, as a department, as a whatever, if only so-and-so, <laughs> if only so-and-so would have exhibited more of a transformational leadership quality, right? And this is important because later in this, later in this chapter, you're going to see me say things or read things that I've highlighted. They're going to say, you know, change is a top-down thing you know, you, you start small and work your way out, right? It's, it's all about the perspective of the leader and the ability of the leader to influence the group that makes the transformational changes. So it's huge. I think about all the potential I've seen corporately that's been wasted. And it's because somebody was close to retirement. Somebody was having problems at home with their wife. Somebody, you know, was fighting medical issues and couldn't focus on their job. Somebody, and I'm thinking of all these professional examples. But, you know, think about, you know, someone leading a baseball team, someone leading the Girl Scouts, someone leading the Boy Scouts. I mean, this, this idea of leadership is all about influence, remember. It's not just about the job. It's not just about the cubicle farm. So it says trained leaders know how to lead. They're liked. They have influence today. They ask people to follow. They love to lead. They're trained. They help people. They have a career and they impact a few. Transformational leaders, well, they know why they lead 
right? Instead of knowing how to lead, they know why they lead, right? And it's because of the people. Uh, they're contagious, they influence today and tomorrow. They ask people to make a difference. They love people, they lead, they're trained and transformed. They help people change. That's huge. The first column, trained leaders, it says they help people. For transformational leaders, you help people change. If you see a deficiency or a missing block in somebody's life development, and you can clearly, concisely, and without insulting them, you know, by adding value to them, help them fill that deficiency, what a gift you've given that person, right? Uh, they have a calling and it says, instead of impacting a few, they impact many, okay? Turning over to page 218, he's gonna break this down into five things that make uh, there are the essentials for transformational leadership. Five things. It says, I've identified five actions common to all of them. If you desire to make the impact shift from trained leader to transformational leader, start doing these now or start doing these two, right? The first thing is to possess a clear picture of what transformational leaders do, right? So we're talking like, what is a transformational leader? Well, they help people be more, do more, you know, succeed more, dream more, right? So what does a transformational leader do then, right? That's, that's the question. Well, he's broken that into subsections. And uh, first part of that is transformational leaders, they see things others do not see. Remember that one of my favorite quotes of John's, right? Uh, great leaders see more than others do and they see before others do, right? So transformational leaders see things others do not see. There are some folks that would allow themselves to become a victim of a negative circumstance and they can't help themselves or they can't help others because they see themselves as the victim. Whereas a transformational leader would say, well, well, why not, right? Like, let's not say I can't do this. Let's say, well, why can't I do that, right? Let's, let's go after this thing. Um, it's not to say that a transformational leader doesn't see the problems. In fact, uh, mid paragraph here on page 218, it says, of course, they see the problems they may even be surrounded by them, but they also see potential in those problems. If you remember when the COVID crisis first broke out, especially if you follow my other channels on social media, you know, I said, disruption is opportunity. Every time something gets flipped upside down, topsy-turvy, um, when people start, you know, freaking out and, and just not seeming seemingly calm, that is the time for opportunity. Those that can stay calm, communicate and connect, those that can build on relationship in a time of crisis, those are the ones who are going to come out of the crisis better for it, right? And whether that be economically, relationally, you know, um, self-development wise, you know, you pick what your definition of success is. But being able to see through the problems and see the potential through the problem, being able to see the silver lining around the cloud, that's, that's a huge part of being a transformational leader. It says, how we view things determines how we do things. I say that's another Johnism. Uh, I love the way he plays with words like that. How we view things determines how we do things, right? Dave Ramsey, someone else that I truly, truly respect, is quoted in the book, and it says, organizations are not limited by their opportunity. They're limited by their leader, right? That's one of those quotes that got me thinking about the old cube farms, right? Organizations are not limited by their opportunity. They're limited by their leader. Remember, transformational leaders, they see things that other people don't see. So you're looking for someone to have a vision and to have guidance and, and to cast you know, a plan out based on things that you might not see, right? You're looking for someone to have the answers or a broader scope. Uh, next thing, transformational leaders say things that others do not say. It says transformational leaders speak up. Well, I don't know if I would consider myself a transformational leader, uh, in, in this respect. But if you were to ask any of my old coworkers uh, about me speaking up, you would know that speaking up is not a problem. Um, John put in some things, some examples in his book. On page 219, if you have the book, there's some bullet points here. And, it, and it, these are some moments where he made decisions that weren't popular. And some people didn't like his decisions, but he stuck by it. That's important. If you're going to be a transformational leader, you know, you have to be a man of character. You have to be a person of, of influence, a, a person of ethics, right? And so you have to make decisions based on those channels. You can't, you can't break that. And sometimes it seems like you might be hurting the group to stick with your ethics, 
but you have to be a genuine person if you're going to lead. Uh, one of them that I thought was, was interesting, he says, I handed back a million dollar gift given to my nonprofit organization because I proposed going in a direction that the donor did not like, right? That's like quid, quo, quid pro quo politics, right? Here's a, here's a big donation to your cause. I just need you to endorse X, Y, and Z. And he didn't want to endorse X, Y, and Z. So he said, you know what? Keep your million bucks. You know, we'll find the, we'll find the money somewhere else. And uh, you can imagine if you were on the board of directors with John at that time, turning down a million dollars, you probably would have gotten a couple of cross-haired looks, right? But John said, you know, none of these decisions were popular when he shared it. Uh, and not everyone understood. But sometimes that's what a leader must do. Say things that others won't. Next subsection in category one is transformational leaders believe things that others do not believe, right? That's a rough one. Sometimes you'll be in the middle of uh, a project, you'll be in the middle of moving something forward, or you think you're moving something forward, and you'll have an opinion. You'll say, man, I really think we need to go this way. And, you know, five people might go, I think you're crazy, right? But remember, a transformational leader might believe things that other people don't believe. For instance, I put it in writing three weeks ago. I wrote an article, a blog post, put it up on all my social channels, uh, shared it with people and said, I believe that if you're in the power sports industry and you're listed as an essential business in your state and social distancing is now proclaimed okay, people are gonna wanna ride motorcycles because this never got uncool. People always love twist and a throttle, it's just for the last you know, decade or so, it hasn't really been socially acceptable to be selfish and go ride a motorcycle by yourself. Now with social distancing, they uh, explicitly want you to go do something by yourself. So in a lot of states, power sports is still an essential business. So I put all this in writing and said, I think that if your dealership you know, is good at communication, good at connection and builds on relationship, you're gonna see an increase in business during this crisis. And sure enough, I've got a handful of dealers that have responded that are like, hey, we did this, we saw an increase in business. We did this, we saw an increase in business. And it's nice to be part of that conversation and see that, you know, you might have a belief that's counter to others because a lot of dealerships shut the door and went home, right? But if you were listed as a possible essential business and you could monetize you know, while keeping people safe, while cleaning the facility, while cleaning the equipment, you know, while honoring people's, you know, desires to spend time with family. You know, there's a lot of ways that you could lower staff at the company, still meet people's needs and make things happen. So uh, transformational leaders believe things that others do not believe. I've seen it firsthand, just this crisis. Uh, John F. Kennedy was quoted in this one. It said, uh, transformational leaders believe that they can make a difference, right? And that becomes a passion. And then John F. Kennedy was quoted. He said he believed that everyone had a change the world speech within them, right? And so how cool is that, right? John F. Kennedy's on TV and he goes, I believe everybody's got a world changing speech within them. Well, John Maxwell was 13 when he saw that speech. And that was something that resonated with him, right? That was one of those seed sowing moments for him growing up. And he says, believing that you can make a difference changes everything. Uh, next subsection, page 221, in case you're keeping up with me. Transformational leaders feel things that others do not feel. And for this section, he quotes a Mr. Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall said, a different world cannot be built by indifferent people. Makes sense, right? A different world cannot be built by indifferent people. If you're fine with status quo, or if you've got, you know, if you, you've got a sense of contentment, uh, when maybe contentment shouldn't be prescribed, well, then you're not going to see growth. You're not going to see moving forward, right? We always, we talked about that earlier in the sessions, you know, we need to see change. We need to see things progress, right? And now more than ever, we're seeing that rate of progression you know, condense. We're seeing change happen much more frequently, right? The frequency of change is changing quite a bit. So you can't be an indifferent person and think that you're going to experience a bunch of success. It says here that passion creates energy and tenacity in people. It fires up leaders and the people who join them for their cause. Down at the bottom of page 221, there's a quote from Paul Martinelli. Now, I'm part of the John Maxwell team. 
uh, I've been to training in Orlando, got certified down there, met the whole crew, right? And so having been in the same room with Paul Martinelli is, uh, there's a certain electricity that goes with that. When, when this chapter is about a transformational leader, this is a dude that is a transformational leader. I mean, he grew up poor in Pittsburgh. Uh, he got involved with uh, the dudes with the Red Berets. Now I can't remember their stinking names, right? The, the vigilante group, right? Uh, why can't I remember their name? Oh, it'll come to me as soon as we sign off today. Uh, but, you know, he got involved with them. Then he had his own cleaning business. And this is a guy that, that grew up poor, right? So he grows up poor, but he, he just keeps pouring himself out into things. He's just got this amazing energy, uh, amazing, amazing foresight. And he actually put the deal together with John to grow the John Maxwell team. And now because of that agreement, you know, there's over 30,000 trained coaches like myself out there that are promoting a leadership message. So Paul Martinelli is quoted here and it says, when the light goes on in your life, you want to turn everyone else's light on, right? When the light goes on in your life, you want to turn everyone else's light on. I used to road race motorcycles. Wasn't that great at it, but I used to road race motorcycles. I loved it. I thought it was a great sport. So exciting. I thought it was wholesome. Uh, there's so many things about, you know, controlling a motorcycle at speed that to me is just, it's an amazing experience. So I wanted to share it with people. So I started a, a track school in New Mexico called Free Track Day. And so when I was doing Free Track Day, People would show up and they would be street riders. People used to going from red light to red light to red light, right? Now all of a sudden they're on a racetrack. And on the racetrack, there's no red lights, there's no stop signs, and there's no lines. You use from one end of the pavement to the other end of the pavement, right? And you're dragging your knee all over the place. And there's a certain point when you're coaching somebody and you see the look in their eyes, right? They, they, they get excited. They're like, I get it, I get it. And then you see them transform the way that they ride the motorcycle, you know, the way they rode when they first showed up to the way they ride after they've had some coaching. And when you see, and you can see the light come on in their eyes, right? You see the recollection. Um, and whatever you teach, whatever you've had the ability to coach people on, if it's something that they've had a desire to do, and then you can parlay that information to them and you, and you see the excitement in their eyes, that's what Mr. Martinelli's talking about here. He's saying, when the light goes on in your life, you want to turn everyone else's light on. You know, you'll see this when people become uh, invested in faith or something like that, right? Uh, like a baby Christian wants to go out and share with as many people as possible, you know, his faith in Christ. Uh, you know, it, it's the same with, with many other faiths, many other beliefs. You know, you get excited and you want to share, right? <laughs> you, you have a favorite relative who joins a multi-level marketing company. And next thing you know, you know, he's telling you how awesome vitamins are, right? And he's excited about it. And he wants you to be excited about it. But that's because he believes that, right? He's trying to make a transformation. Uh, next section, transformational leaders do things that others do not do. This one is super, super big to me. Um, in fact, I joke about my collarbone breaking in January. I say, you know, Friday night I went to bed and I prayed, God, you know, please, things are going so quick. You know, help me slow things down. I need to slow down. And I'm not normally a kind of person that slows down. I, I jump in with both feet and I just start running, right? I'm the ready, aim, fire kind of guy, right? And so a ready, fire, aim kind of guy. That's what I mean. Yeah, ready, fire, aim. And uh, I was praying, hey, you know, God, if you just slow me down a little bit, right? I, th I think I'm going too fast. I need, I need to pull back, but I'm not good at pulling back. And sure enough, the next day I went out mountain biking and I broke my collarbone. And I thought, well, that's an answer to prayer. I'll sit down and that'll slow me down a little bit, right? Um, so I don't have a problem with the doing. Sometimes I have a problem with, with going so fast and, and not being prepared to go, right? So I'm kind of the opposite here. But he, John starts out with kind of a pun. He says, uh, do you know what happens when a procrastinator has something to do? And then the next sentence says, nothing, right? Think about that. How many times do, do you hear people saying, oh, I'm fixing to do something. I'm fixing to do this. I'm going to do that. Hey, you know what we should do? Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we, you know, let's have a meeting. Let's gather everybody up. Let's have a committee. Let's, uh, let's have a melding of the minds. And, you know, you know what they say, three heads better than one. And, and, you know, I can think of all these situations, especially corporately, where somebody just constantly wants to talk or drill or think about doing something rather than doing something, right? And so the next sentence says, do you know what happens when a transformational leader has something to do? 
And he says, they get moving. In fact, they're often so eager that their actions follow this pattern. Ready, fire, aim. That's what I just said, you know, ready, fire, aim. Um, so many times I'll get started on something and then I'll pull back and I'll go, oh, wait a minute, I'm going the wrong way, All right? But I've got a head start, I've got some material, I've got some content, I can change the direction and I can keep going, right? I can correct as I go. If I were to sit and try and make everything perfect before I took any action, I'm the kind of guy that without taking any action, it doesn't become real. It doesn't, it doesn't have motion. It doesn't have any mojo to it, right? So I need to see things happening to get vested in it, to, to, to have that buy-in for myself. And I get, personally, I get very frustrated with procrastinators that are always trying to overanalyze before they take any action. But that's the way people work sometimes. We're up to the second section now. So we covered the first section, right? It was like, hey, you know, what do transformational leaders do? And then it was those, those subsections on what do transformational leaders do. The second section is focus on your own transformation before leading others to it. Well, I'm not going to beat this one to death. In fact, I've only highlighted a couple of things in this section. Uh, and that's because we already talked about, you know, going from climbing the ladder to holding the ladder, right? From climbing the ladder to giving somebody else a ladder, right? And that's kind of the same thing. We talked about the leadership dance. I think that was session three, right? Where sometimes you run out in front as the leader, right? And you're, hey, come with me, come with me. And other times you got to run alongside people and go, hey, how we doing, man? How we doing? We doing all right? We doing good? And then sometimes you got to get behind them and go, hey, come on, man, you can do it. You can do it. You're good. You're good. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And then once you get them remotivated, you got to run back up front again, right? And you got to go, hey, hey, I'm back. Let's go. Let's go. And, and so that leadership dance is super, super important. It's super dynamic. And we've already covered that in two different sections. So I didn't think that we really needed to go through it too heavily here, but focus on your own transformation before leading others to it. You gotta make sure that you're going in the right direction before you say, hey, watch me, come with me, right? It says, um, I came up with a five-step process that works no matter what task you're trying to equip another person to do. So here, here's John's example of leading somebody. First, you know, you do it, right? And then you do it, and you have somebody with you, right? And then you do it, and, and so you do it. Okay, I gotta say this in the right way. Let's say I'm the leader. First, I do it. <laughs> I do it, and then I do it, and you're with me, okay? And then you do it, and I'm with you. That's where I was getting screwed up, right? You wanna make sure that you switch who's doing it, but it's still the same two people, right? Then you do it. Simple, you do it. And then you do it and someone is with you. So you're developing the next person, right? So it's all part of that like ladder, you know, ladder climbing, the ladder holding, right? I'm gonna go up the ladder, then I'm gonna hold the ladder and let you up, right? And then you're gonna climb the ladder on your own. You're gonna go, okay, I got this. And then you're gonna climb the ladder and you're gonna hold the ladder for somebody else, right? And so this whole section kind of, kind of glues together what was covered in those other two sessions we had. It says, as leaders, you and I have to be changed to bring change. We teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. He quotes a philosopher at the end of the section, and that philosopher is James Allen. And it says, men are anxious to improve their circumstances, but unwilling to improve themselves. Therefore, remain bound. That jumps off the page, right? So maybe I read these things too fast. I've had a lot of people say that I talk too fast. Maybe it's because I was raised on the East Coast. But men are anxious to improve their circumstances, but are unwilling to improve themselves. They therefore remain bound, right? That's huge. I, I can be caught saying a lot of times to people, man, you know, you're pushing and pushing. You keep thinking you want success, but you're not willing to do the work. You know, there's a lot of times where someone says, oh, can you show me how to do this? And I'll say, well, did you read the directions? The directions came with it. And, oh, no, no, I didn't read the directions. Can't you just show me how to do it? And it's like, look, you know, I understand that you want this, but you got to do the work. Like you, not everything is instantaneous. You got you to put in the effort. You got to do some work, right? And so <laughs> when I worked... When I worked at Suzuki, customer service was on the other side, not customer, uh, tech line services, right? Where they would talk to technicians. And sometimes technicians would call in and they would tell them, hey, can you tell me how to hook up these gauges? Or can you tell me how to do this? And, and the people that work for us, they would, they would say, well, have, did you read the instructions? They came, came with the product. I'm like, no, 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 man, I got time to read the directions. Just tell me how it works. 
And unfortunately, that is all too common now in our culture, right? So it's, it's like, man, slow down. You gotta, you gotta do the work. Okay. It's a perks to price example, right? You don't get the perks without paying the price. You gotta do the work, right? So you gotta take action. So we're up to the third section now, right? Remember there was five, five, this is five. So now we're up to the third section. Take positive action based on your internal changes. Remember the story John told? He said that he, was, he knew he was supposed to help somebody. He failed to help them. That person died. He never got to give them the help that they deserved, right? And that made him have an internal change. He made a change within his heart that he knew he had to change his leadership style to be more focused on people than focused on himself, right? It was a change in his heart. And by making that internal change, he was able to externalize that change and behave in a way that resonated with people. People could see that, right? They can sense, people sense when you're, when you're doing something for yourself or you're doing something for others, they can sense it. And so John did a, a really good job, I think, of putting that into action here, right? He says, take positive action based on your internal changes. He says, for real change to occur, we must go from knowing to doing. Remember the, the phrase, uh, a good leader knows the way, goes the way, shows the way, right? Knows the way, goes the way, shows the way. That's what a good leader does. And so he has a section here, a section of bullet points on page 225. And these are basically excuses that people use to avoid climbing uphill, right? Everything worth doing takes effort. Everything worth doing is an uphill climb. So these are excuses that people might use to uh, put off or get away with out climbing up. So he says, talking. Let's discuss the uphill climbing. Thinking, let's contemplate the uphill climbing. Planning, let's strategize about the uphill climbing. Surveying, let's ask others what they think about the uphill climb. Studying, let's examine what the uphill climb looks like. And resting, let's conserve energy before we start climbing, right? Independently, these might seem like smart things. These would seem like people that hedge their bets, right? These would be like, stable, secure people. Like on the surface, you would go, man, that guy's really thinking this through. He's, he's, you know, he's got it. You know, he's smart. But remember, there, there's a point. You have to draw that line, right? There, there is a point where you go from knowing to doing, and, and you have to be able to break through that and start taking action. It says transformation is a result of application, not education. That's why Gandhi said, now we're going to quote Gandhi, uh, an ounce of practice is worth more than a ton of, than tons of preaching, right? An ounce of practice is worth more than tons of preaching. So in order to lead transformationally, you have to uh, first live, transform. You have, to, you have to demonstrate it. The next section here is leaders who are passionate about transformation. And he quotes uh, Jim's Collins in this one. So Jim Collins said that transformational movements require transformational leaders. That's one of those quotes I told you that reminds me of the cube farm, right? You think about the potential lost. You think about the efforts um, given but not gained. And, and you go, well, is that because the team was bad? Is that because the product was bad? Is that because the plan you know, was lackluster? Or is it because the leader wasn't a transformational leader and couldn't drive change or influence or passion, right? And so I think if you're in a leadership position, and you see a certain stagnation, you don't see the growth that you want to see out of your team, you know, sometimes you got to ask that hard question, you know, like John did at the beginning of the session, right? You know, you got to ask yourself the hard question, like, what are my motives? You know, what's my motivation for this? Am I passionate about this? Am I in the right place at the right time? I mean, you, you got to be introspective a little bit. And then if you can discount that and go, oh, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah, I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. Well, then think about what's missing in the equation to be a transformational leader and start backfilling those gaps, right? Work on your people, work on yourself, work on the situation, and then you'll get where you need to go. Uh, there's a poem that he has in here from uh, Lawrence Tribble, and this is halfway down page 226. It says, one man awake awakens another. The second awakens his next door brother. The three awake can rouse a town. By turning the whole place upside down, the many awake can cause such a fuss, it will finally awaken the rest of us. One man up with dawn in his eyes, surely then 
multiplies. And that's that theory of multiplicity that John talks about in the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Uh, talks, I think, about in the 15 Laws of Growth. Uh, we talked about it here in this leadership book. I mean, it's, it's just a common theme, right? It's all about multiplicity and taking your efforts and being able to multiply them through people instead of just adding to one person at a time. It says resources that teach good values, right? And remember, this is all about uh, creating an environment that promotes positive change. Section four, create an environment that promotes positive change. So it was uh, leaders who are passionate about transformation and then resources that teach good values. It says good values are teachable and reachable. And a list of those values is the bullet list right there, right? Attitude, commitment, competence, forgiveness, initiative, integrity, personal growth, priorities, relationships, and work ethic. I'm going to go out on a limb here and, you know, John doesn't have these in like a special order that I can tell. He, he doesn't, you know, other than alphabetical. Um, but if I had to put things, if I had to put things in like a priority list and I almost want to ask you guys, right. Out of, out of looking at what's on the screen there, you know, attitude, commitment, competence, forgiveness, initiative, integrity, personal growth, priorities, relationship, work ethic, you know, is there one or two or three that just really jump off that list to you and go, man, you know, that's, those are good values. That's, that's what I need to have. That's what I need to be teachable and reachable within my circle, right? Well, for, for me, relationships is a big one. The quality of your relationships determines the quality of your life. That's what he says there in the bullet point, right? So relationships, that's a big, big, big one to me. Initiative, you cannot, express, you cannot experience success unless you start right? I'm big on that. Got to take action. Got to take action. So relationships and taking action, those two really jump off the page at me. And then, you know, work ethic, obviously that's competence, right? The shortest path to credibility is competence. Um, but, but I think again, relationships and, uh, and initiative, those, those two really, really take me to a new level. Uh, I don't know what it is for you, but I just thought we'd be cool to break that out. Uh, bottom of page 227, uh, the next section after teaching good values is small groups. Small groups where people learn and participate. Now, show of hands, right? Who, who has been in a small group before, right? Whether that's with church or a small uh, workshop group, maybe doing a, man, maybe, a, you know, where you go and you paint pictures and you drink wine, that, that, even that would be a good, you know, uh, a, a good kind of comparison, right? Small groups, enjoying a bottle of wine, painting a picture, right? How much do you learn, you know, while you're there? How much do you socialize while you're there? What are the benefits of being there, right? And why is the small group of people painting, drinking wine, why does that make more of an impact on you than, say, going to a stadium full of hundreds of people painting the same picture? And, and it has to do with, like, relationships and interaction and, and things like that. A peer-to-peer -peer learning example. As a corporate trainer, I'll tell you, like, my sweet spot is 12. I love having 12 people in a room. If I got 12 people in a room, there's a certain magic to that, that quantity of people where I know I'm going to have a couple of people that are a little slower than the rest. I'm going to have a couple of people that are advanced. I'm going to have a group in the middle that, that are, that are you know, integral, right? That, that I can spread around and, and put into different smaller groups for different tasks. And it's just, it's a sweet spot of training for me. 12, that's my magic number. Down here, it says, uh, we found that groups of four to 10 can create the perfect environment for people to develop relationships, get to know themselves and others and experience growth. Like I said, for me, my, my favorite number is 12, but, but as far as leadership training and talking about you know, becoming a transformational leader, uh, John says that you know, in the Equip Foundation, they found that groups of four to 10 create the perfect environment. You know, uh, it's not all about small groups. Small groups are great, but like take, for example, becoming part of the John Maxwell team. Uh, this year, because of the COVID crisis, they canceled the March event for Orlando. And now they're saying they're going to do it in, I can't remember if it's going to be uh, August or September. I think it's August. But, you know, so now they're looking at, you know, what are they going to do with five or 6,000 people down there in August, right? And it might be more than that, right? Because there might be more people uh, based on the leadership gap and, and people talking about leading in a crisis and, and programs like I'm doing right now 
there might be more people thinking, man, I need to get John Maxwell certified. I need to move forward in this leadership quest, right? And so if that happens, you know, they're going to have six, 7,000 people down there trying to get certified at one session. So, you know, is there a gap in learning that happens with those big groups? Well, yes and no, right? Uh, I can go to a John Maxwell gathering now with 3,000 people and come away with 150 people that I've met that are quality people. But while you're there, they're going to break different exercises down into round tables that have like 10 people at a table. And so that's where that small group interaction really comes over when you become a team with those people, right? So you're still, even though it's a big event, they're still employing a small group mentality as far as, you know, building those relationships one little team at a time. Does that make sense? I'm hoping, hoping that I do. Uh, John's small group successes. He's got some bullet points here and it says these were things that um, being involved in small groups helped him to find success with. Pardon me. He says, I accepted the challenge to practice daily personal growth. He got that inspiration through small group participation. He was encouraged to start writing books. He was inspired to start developing resources for leaders. Thank goodness, right? Uh, he was energized to start developing leaders. And then he felt stirred to try leading a transformational movement. That transformational movement is the John Maxwell team that I talk about, right? Uh, the next thing, the next subsection is a commitment to re reproduce leaders. And this is in that section four of five, right? Page 228, commitment to reproduce leaders. Uh, when you take a look at, uh, what is it? The seven habits of effective people, right? By Stephen Covey, talks about duplicating yourself, talks about finding your own replacement. Uh, when you look at uh, effective habits of ministry, same thing, right? You always need to find your replacement. So you want to reproduce leaders. When you're a transformational leader, remember, you climb the ladder, you hold the ladder, and then you help you, you push someone up the ladder, right? And eventually you get them to a point where you can give them their own ladder, right? Now you go do it. And so you want to be able to reproduce leaders. It says to be, a transform, to be transformational, leaders must develop and reproduce leaders. The fifth part, the fifth part about being a transformational leader, right? It was like, what are the five things that transformational leaders do? And I'll do a recap because we're at 348 now and the time is good. Hmm. Oh, thank you. I'm going to refresh this, make sure I don't have any comments sitting here waiting to be answered. Oh, so far, so good. All right. I see the number growing all the time for people jumping on this thing. I, I really appreciate you folks. I am, uh, you know, it, it's humbling to think, you know, this thing started out with five or six people looking at it. And, and now we have sessions, you know, that, that'll, that at the end of this thing, it's going to say there's three or 400 people coming through here. So uh, I'm humbled actually. It's uh, thank you so much for your support. And if you've been sharing this with people, uh, I love you for it. Thank you so much. Uh, fifth part, uh, Commit to making a difference with others in your community. Um, he quoted a whole story here by a Walter Fountroy. I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. Walter Fountroy, right? Uh, this guy was a civil rights leader, and he delivered a speech at Howard University. And the speech isn't that long, so I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, the past is yours. Learn from it. The future is yours. Fulfill it. Knowledge is yours. Use it. Cancer is yours, cure it. Racism is, racism is yours, end it. Injustice is yours, correct it. Sickness is yours, heal it. Ignorance is yours, banish it. War is yours, stop it. Hope is yours, confirm it. America is yours, save it. The world is yours, serve it. The dream is yours, claim it. Don't be blinded by prejudice, disheartened by the times, or discouraged by the system. Face the system, challenge it, change it, confront it, correct it. Don't let anything paralyze your mind. Tie your hands or defeat your spirit. Take the world, not to dominate it, but to deliver it. Not to exploit it, but to enrich it. Take your dream and inherit the earth. I never heard that speech before I read this book. And I got to say, uh, I like it. I like it a lot. I like the pauses. I like the simple sentences. I like how quickly it communicates. But the message itself is, I mean, it's to the point, right? Being a transformational leader 
isn't like conquering a territory and making it your kingdom, right? That's, that's not what this is like. Being a transformational leader is affecting change in people and growing a culture of transformational servant leadership that's more than yourself. You know, it, it's, it, it's not about closing something in and making it yours. This is mine. No, no, it, it's more like, here you go. I got this for you, right? And so I, I really, that, that Walter Fauntroy guy, I, he eloquently put that into words. Eloquently is the word that John used, right? Yeah, eloquently expressed this in his inspiring speech he delivered at Howard University. So it says, uh, change does not happen unless transformational leaders commit themselves to making a difference in their community and invite others to join in the process. And then he says uh, that transformational leadership is top down. Leadership influence filters down, not up, right? If you read the 360 degree leader, you would know that leadership is possible. Influence is possible in a 360 degree way, right? If I'm the service manager at a power sports dealer, I can lead to the general manager, I can lead to the parts manager, I can lead to the uh, dealer principal, the guy that owns the building, I can lead to my customers, I can lead to my technicians, I can lead to the lot boy, I can lead to my vendors, right? 360 degree leadership is a real thing. It's a thing that, that you really can exercise. It's a thing that you can do with success and I've done it, I've demonstrated it multiple times in multiple environments, so it's real. But when you're talking about transformational leadership, being able to make a culture shift change, being able to affect something wholesale, right? Well, then realistically, that does need to filter down from the top, right? If I'm a 360 degree leader and I can affect people that I deal with, well, that's great. But remember, even in the example I gave, even if I can affect the, the dealer principal, right? Remember, I don't have access to his circle right? His circle would be, you know, the vendors at a different level, the, the banks, the uh, OEM distributors, right? That's a whole different level of people that I'm not being able to affect. And, and his attitude, his demeanor is going to be what reflects the leadership of the organization. So that's what he means by top down, right? So, so leadership influence filters down, not up. Small to big, mass movements begin with a few people. Remember the, the poem about the guy that wakes up, and then he wakes up his, his brother, and then they, they wake up the neighbors, and then the neighbors wake up the town, right? So mass movements begin with a few people. Inside out, inner values determine outward behavior. Big deal. That, that is a big deal. I can tell you personally, uh, in my life, I know that there's been transformation in me, say, from being 35 years old, to being 40, to being 50, you know, and now I'm in my 50s, right? And I can tell you that each of those milestones along the way, there's been a certain amount of growth or change or transformation. And each one of those has given me kind of the sobering realization that it's not all for me. I owe it to somebody to pass it down. So in many situations, I'll put myself in a mentorship situation to where, you know, I'm examining people, not beneath me, but, but people younger than me, people less seasoned than me, right? I, I, will, I will look at these folks and I'll say, how can I add value to that person? How, and if I add value to that person, how will they share it? How will they push it forward? And if I'm leading somebody and I sense selfishness, you know, that my kingdom mentality, uh, I'll pull back. And I'll say, hey, I, you know what? I, I got to work with somebody else right now. And uh, sometimes those are hard decisions to make, but those are the right decisions to make. Remember, as a leader, not all of your decisions are going to be well-received, but you have to make the best decision you can at the time with the, with the information that you have, right? And a transformational leader sees things that others don't see, feels things that others don't feel, does things that others won't do right? And says things that others won't say. We just covered all that. So that pretty much concludes uh, this session. Uh, the next thing is amazing transformation. And he tells a story at the end, he talks about a serial entrepreneur uh, that, that keeps failing until he meets this guy that helps him find success, right? And that's how we finish out the last two pages of the session. But if you've got a copy of the book, I'm going to let you go ahead and read that one on your own. Um, because to me, it's important that I value everybody's time and I schedule this for an hour.
and we are at 3.56 p.m. according to my clock. And so once again, I wanna thank people that are following along, people that have put in the time, people that have shown up, you know, session after session after session. I've done this on Tuesdays and Thursdays, at three o'clock now. Uh, this is the 11th session, right? So um, being able to finish it, being able to, to close this out on Thursday, uh, I got to tell you, as, as an entrepreneur, as someone that likes to do things, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs get excited to start something, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to start it. Uh, but we are one session away from finishing it. And I think that that is, that, that's huge, right? That, that's sticking a pin in something. That's going, hey, I finished something. Um, so I'm excited to knock this out on Thursday. So Thursday at three o'clock will be our last session on leadership. And I interviewed a gentleman yesterday for my podcast. And his name is Kevin Cope. And he gave me permission to lead a single session on seeing the big picture. Seeing the big picture to me is a fantastic business book. And, and this, is, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Uh, I interviewed him. If, you, if you're interested in who he is, uh, go to the Manana Nomas podcast and see the last interview that I have there. That, that is with Kevin Cope, the uh, New York Times bestselling author that wrote this book. And originally we were thinking, hey, I'll do a mastermind like what I'm doing on leadership, right? But remember, I'm a John Maxwell team member, right? So, so I have access to John's stuff and, and, and we're allowed to teach that. But there's no way that I'm going to do a multi-session breakdown on this guy's book without his permission, right? I think that's huge. And so I, I contacted Kevin and I said, Kevin, I love your book. I see a lot of value in it right now. I think now more than ever, you know, small businesses, big businesses, whatever, that they would see hope in what you cover in your book. I'd like to cover it with people. And then we had a discussion and I, and, and we came to the agreement that, you know what, if I do a full, you know, five, six, eight session breakout on this, on this book, um, I could be interfering with their business model, right? They have a company called Acumen Learning, right? So I'll put that right there. So Acumen Learning is their company and it's based on on these ideas, right? So I don't want to take business. Away. In fact, here's what I want to happen. What I want to happen is I want to do a one hour session on this book and I want to get you fired up about the five drivers of business and how, and how to evaluate your business and make decisions for your business to seek growth, to find growth. Um, and we'll do that next Tuesday at three o'clock. And the reason I'm announcing it now is because I'm going to announce it now and I'm going to announce it Thursday. Leadership has been recorded and it is, you know, a free course in the Manana Nomas Academy. You'll be able to go back there for an undetermined amount of time and use it as a resource for free uh, to, to keep going back to if that's something you choose to do. This session that I'm doing next Tuesday, uh, I am not going to be reproducing that. I'm not going to be storing it. I'm not going to be uh, blog posting it out. It's going to be a live presentation. Be there or be square. And... Um, I don't even know if I'm going to keep the live replay up on Facebook for any amount of time. I might just keep it up for 48 hours and take it down out of respect for Kevin. Um, but I do want to share the highlights of this book, get you motivated. And if you are in a position to um, add training to your calendar and, and you're not in power sports or Marine, because if you were, you'd be coming to me. Um, but if, you know, if you're a general business and, and you're looking for this type of training about, you know, the five drivers of business and how to grab hold of your business and make sound decisions, uh, I'll put you in touch with Kevin and his people. And I know that they'd love to hear from you. Here's, we both said the same thing in the uh, podcast yesterday. We both had the same insight on, on something. And that was now more than ever, a lot of employees have the time to invest in personal development. Now more than ever, companies could keep people employed and they could train them. They could train them with people like me. They could train them with people like Kevin. They could train them by simply saying, hey, I'm going to cover your subscription to lynda.com or you know, LinkedIn premium. And uh, I want you to take these five courses, these 10 courses, whatever, right? Now more than ever, uh, companies could be investing in their staff to move forward. We could be using this downtime in a very productive way. And both of us were kind of in shock because from the power sports perspective, I've only had a few people get in touch with me about training during this whole COVID crisis, right? They're essential businesses. They're still open. 
there's a paradigm shift in how we're dealing with customers and, and, and there's different customer processes that I know I could help them flesh out and become successful with through different communication tools, but they're not coming to us, right? And the same thing that Kevin said, he said, um, they expected so many more people to want to work on improvement and they're prepared to help people with improvement that in fact, they're able to give their existing clients even more attention uh, than they bargained for because you know people just don't seem to be making decisions right now. Remember what I said at the beginning of the leadership thing when I started covering that? I said, there's a reason why I'm covering leadership. Leadership to me is huge. To be a transformational leader, right? You see more than others do and you see before others do. You act before others act and, and you grab things. You look for the positives. You, you still see the trouble. You still see the pandemic. But you know, you've got to find solutions to work around that. And now more than ever is the time where people could invest in their people and get prepared for a resurgence of business, right? Uh, think about this. Those of you that drive cars, that drive motorcycles, that own boats, um, when's the last time you went to the service department and you enjoyed your visit, right? Your car breaks. Are you ever happy when your car breaks and you got to go to the dealership? No. So now's the time when dealers could take a look at that, that process and go, oh, wait a minute. How can we reduce some of these friction points that customers don't like? And they can improve that customer process now because now's the time to make a paradigm shift in the way that process and, and things are done. People right now are open to change because they don't know what they should know, right? Like they, they, they don't know what it should be right now. So now's the time where you can affect change and be successful in maintaining it after the quarantine is lifted. So I'm gonna get off my soapbox. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you for the support. I am absolutely thrilled to see so many people jumping in on Facebook Live over here. And if you have comments, questions, concerns, you can post them into the replay on Facebook. Uh, those notifications come to me and I'll take care of them. And I also uh, take care of all of the uh, comments and stuff that come in through the Manana Nomas website and academy. Um, so for folks that don't want to hang around for prayer, we're going to say that this session is over. Folks that uh, aren't upset by prayer publicly, uh, those folks are welcome to stay. And I invite you to stay as I, as I close us out in a fairly quick prayer and prepare us to meet again next Thursday. All righty. Oh, Father God, I thank you so much that we're able to get through these sessions. Father, I thank you that, uh, you know, well, uh, Father, I just thank you for the joy that you give me in being able to share it with people. Father, I love the message that uh, John's put in print. I love that he shares his knowledge and, uh, and his ideals with people like me, Father, that are, that are not uh, too gun-shy to share it with others. Father, I'm thankful that uh, you've helped me to overcome my fear in presenting this stuff to an unknown audience. Uh, I don't know who these people are that are stopping by Facebook Live and, and being anonymous. Uh, I just pray, Father, that they receive value. I pray that their hearts are open. I pray that their minds are open. And Father, I pray that uh, the way that I phrase the stuff that I see in John's work, I, I pray that it is well-received. Father, there are so many people hurting right now, so many people frustrated. Uh, Father, I talk to people that want the country to be open, that want the economy to rebound, that want businesses to, to flip those signs over to, to open. Uh, Father, I, I talk to people in, in Italy, and, and they don't know anybody that's sick. None of their family is sick. They're fine. Uh, they're all locked up. I see the same girl at the cash register at the store, and there's a part of me that wants to say, man, this whole thing, this whole thing is a farce. But then, Father, I, I see other reports that talk about someone being sick, someone dying, someone suffering. And I know that, you know, if there's a way to avoid suffering, Father, that, that that's something that we should have patience for. But patience is difficult. Patience is hard. Father, I, I pray for people on both sides of this argument, Father, that they would uh, buffer their emotions, Father, that we would be patient, uh, Father, that we would think of others, be concerned for others. And Father, dare I say, uh, when we routinely compare this suffering to different versions of suffering, Father, I pray that we would begin as a people group, as a culture, 
to be just as aware of those other causes of suffering as we are about this virus, Father. Not that we would stay shut down forever, but, but Father, that we would begin to pay attention to, to hunger, starvation, the flu, uh, you know, other causes, heart disease. Father, I love you. I love your sacrifice. I love that you sent your son for us to save us. I love that I've got somewhere to go when time is up. Father, I pray for family members that are dealing with potential losses. I pray for friends that are dealing with potential losses, family and financial. Father, and most of all, I ask for peace. Peace and for you to amplify this gift of discernment, Father, to help us determine what is real, what is not real, and how to react. Father, I love you and I thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, I love y'all. <laughs> Have yourself a great one. I will see you on Thursday at three o'clock. We will finish the leadership book by John C. Maxwell. And then next Tuesday, you're going to want to be back here next Tuesday at three o'clock PM. Put it in your calendar. I'll put in a, I'll put an invite up here on uh, for the event on the Manana Nomas Facebook page, but you are going to want to be part of this seeing the big picture by Kevin Cope. Uh, this will be something that'll be really fun to cover. It's a one shot deal. It's one hour. And hopefully I can share enough with you to whet your appetite and, uh, and get you really motivated and thinking. And whether you go for training with, with uh, acumen training or not, uh, whet your appetite enough so that it's something that you begin to focus on, concentrate on. And like I said, during this downtime, there is no better time to reevaluate and make plans and reset goals and, and move forward, right? Find that silver lining. Peace out. Have a good one. Bye-bye. I'm going to record on this computer and we are going to go live on Facebook. Session 11, leader shift, and boom, copy, boom.